Hey, thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? If you're doing good, let's put our hands together. Um, I want to say something before we get knee deep into uh, the series. Uh, We've been in week, uh, this is week four, but I want to make a comment real quick because this morning when we were singing those songs, and I I have the privilege of being in every service, and so I hear us sing the same songs, but um, I've, and I've heard Justin say this multiple times, but he said it this morning. He said, like, these songs are not just poetry. These are, these are just not eloquent words put together on a page. It's not just a, it was written from David and Moses and several other psalmists' heart because what they realized God was doing in their lives. And, and it would be, I, 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 I would be just, I'll be the worst pastor ever after this morning's worship set if we didn't at least acknowledge the fact that those songs were speaking to us. In the world that we live in that seemingly has gone back crap crazy, God's still in charge. And if we ever forget that, we might as well walk out the doors and never come back. And, 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 and God has not left us. He's not forsaken us. I think honestly what he's doing, he is setting us up. I keep looking at this thing as a setup, not a setback, that God is about to do something. Just like he said in, in his word, he said, in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit. And he says, young men are have visions and all men are going to dream dreams and all this supernatural stuff's going to happen. I'm getting to the point now. And I said this last week, you never know how much you need God until you really need God. And we really need God right now. Amen. So don't fray, don't fret, don't give up. I believe God's about to do something, at least in our personal lives, that we've never seen. The Bible says, I'm I'm getting ready to preach, y'all. I have not seen nor ear heard or entered the hearts of men what God has in store for those who love him. If you love him, he has not abandoned you. Somebody say amen to that. Good Lord. That's why I think this whole series, I wish I was this fired up first service. And they would have responded better. Maybe somebody got saved enough. I don't know. That's why I think this series is so timely because we need wisdom now more than we've ever needed wisdom. We don't need, let me just tell you, we don't need another political office, you know, another person in political office. We don't need another party. We don't, we don't need another tax. We don't need any of that. We need Jesus to do something that only Jesus can do. And so as we look through the Bible, we see this. Solomon was asked the question, of all the things in the world, what is it that you want most? He could have said that. He could have said, I want to be king. I want to be this. I want to be that. I want more money. He says, I need wisdom. And God gave him wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. That's what we need right now. And today, I'm telling you, I'm glad you're fired up right now. Because in first service, after I made the next comment, it got, it got quiet. Because today we're going to talk about something that everybody in this room, if you're down at Sherwood, by the way, let's just hold on for a second. Down at Sherwood today, we want to welcome in some special guests. We have 19 people from Homestead, Florida, down in uh, the Miami area. It's a church called Summit Church, and we've actually linked arms with them over the last several years. We send high school students down there every year to do uh, missions work in some of the migrant camps. But they are up here right now at our Sherwood campus watching uh, us live on their way to Kentucky, I believe. I believe it is to do ministry up in Kentucky. So let's give a big journey, warm welcome to all of our po- folks down there. Okay, so that's enough. That's all they get. They don't get no more. We, we, we don't want to love them too much. You know, Here, here's, I'm going to say a word. I'm going to say something and everybody's going to go, oh man, really? We have to talk about this? 
Because this one's going to reach every person in this room. I don't care if you're a teenager, middle school student. I don't care if you're a kid. I don't care if you're, you know, 90 years old. Today, we're going to talk about the words that we use to each other. The words we use, not just, not just the verbal, but the written words that we use to each other. And not just to each other, but the words we say to ourselves. Because I'm telling you, we become what we say we become. We say what, what's going on right here, right? Garbage in, garbage out. I'm going to talk about this at the end. Garbage in, gar- if garbage is going in, garbage is coming out. It's the words. And it was funny because I was telling Gina, I don't usually let my wife in on what I'm speaking about because I don't want to be critiqued before I get up on stage. Because of her words, right? So she, I, said, I said, baby, I'm really excited about this one because I, I'll be honest, this is, this is a struggle area for me. I don't struggle with addictions, other like, you know, I know it's a real struggle for some people. I, I struggle with the words I use. I struggle how I talk to people. I struggle how I talk to my wife. I struggle sometimes how I talk to my dog, right? Like, it's, it's kind of funny because you can yell at the dog, right? Like, you can be really, like, you can be blistering mad at your dog, but if you do it, I'm like, you're such a stupid dog. And they go, <laughs> right? It's what my dad used to say. Your dad probably said, your mom maybe said it. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. And so that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about, but I'm, I'm talking to her about it. I'm going, Gina, like, I'm really excited about this week, and I feel like God's, kind of, I've, I've gotten a little bit better at it. I'm, 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 I use, I'm using my filter more. Like, so I'm growing. My next step was to use my filter this year, so I'm using it a little bit more. But I said to Gina, I said, you know, there's a really cool, cool fact that I found out that women, so if you're, if you're, if you're a woman, um, this is statistically, this is what it shows, that women use 30,000 words a day, a day, a day. <laughs> and men, depending on who you are, somewhere between five and maybe 12,000. My wife didn't miss a beat. She said, if I didn't have to repeat myself all the time to you, I could probably use 10 too, right? Can you take out the garbage again? For the ninth time, right? I, l- listen, I'm just being honest, right? We're just being honest here. We, 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 we're good, right? And so well, we're going to talk, and, and, and you know what I'm finding out too? It's not, and all, it's not about the amount of words we use. It's the words we use. It's how we string them together. As a matter of fact, some of the greatest, greatest things that have ever been written have been short. I did a little just kind of research in the Bible. The Ten Commandments, depending on the version you use, 297 words. That's not a lot, but it says a lot, doesn't it, right? Um, Psalms 23, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, right? All that, it's, like, it's probably my favorite, one of my favorites. 118 words, okay? The Lord's Prayer, 56 words long, that's it. Now, I don't know how many people know this. With a show of hands, how many people know that there is going to be a sriracha, a sriracha shortage in the United States? Okay, it's only people that like it. And if you do like it, you better go. No, no, if I tell you to buy it, there's not going to be any left for me. There's like some chili shortage. And so now the chilies that they make sriracha, this is true, I'm not making this up. There's, a, there's going to be a shortage because there's a, a drought and all this kind of... So the, the government, of course, the government does it best, right? The government puts out a report why the sriracha shortage is going to happen in the world. This is, this is true. This, I'm not making this up. 15,629 words that tell us why there's going to be a sriracha shortage when they could have said, no chilies, just a drought. <laughs> it's not the amount right? It's not that we've proven. It's not the amount. 
It's interesting, and I don't want to go too deep in this, but over the last two years, Alan and myself have worked really hard at our staff culture, and our and, and, and the whole entire staff has done a great job. I mean, because we want our work environment to be a healthy environment. We want it to be something that, that, that people want to be a part of. And, and, and when they see us, they go, like, and I'm going to say, it's not perfect, okay? There's, there's two perfect people in the organization. They're right here, and everybody else. No, I'm just kidding. You. Choose my words wisely, right? But so we've been working on these things called staff norms. And so these hang on everybody's door. They're uh, in our office. If you walk, ever walk in our office, they're in our office. So you can walk around and go, wow, this is pretty cool. But, and we have the shortened version. But like the first one is we work. We work. And, and you want to know why? And this don't, it's because by and large, church people don't work hard. Like I've been in a lot of churches. I've been around a lot of churches. They, they, they play golf a couple days a week. We play golf. But we work our butts off like 50 hours, 60 hours a week because we feel like excellence honors God. And so we're going to give him our best. But So that's one of them. Uh, we believe the best. We resolve. We pour water. We, we're public fans of each other. We celebrate each other. We do all we can. And But one of them, it's my favorite one. It's we, we make words matter. We make the things that we say to each other matter because we, we, we want to be people that we say what we mean and we mean what we say. And so this isn't just kind of, you know, half, half, this isn't like, you know, this, this is real. This is, this is what we do. So I was thinking about words that we string together that could get us in trouble. And I just, I picked up a couple of my own. Okay. These are not like, nobody in this room would ever say these, but I would say these and they've gotten me in trouble before. And maybe just maybe it'll, it'll help you guys. So here's, here's, here's a, um, when I have said to somebody in the past, it's no trouble at all. You ever said that? Man, it's gotten me in trouble. You know what it means? The next time it's no trouble at all. And the next time after that, it's no trouble at all. And before you know it, like I'm moving everybody in and moving kids to college and it's no trouble at all. Here's one. This actually was, this one got my daughter in trouble. I love dogs. And now every time we go out of town, she watches my dogs. And she's like, I don't know that I love dogs that much anymore, but I love dogs. How about this one? We have plenty of room. You ever said that one? And the next thing you know, you have guests over. Like, oh, yeah, we have an extra spare bedroom. Hey, can I stay anytime? No. <laughs> String those words together. How about this one? Is there anything, anybody ever use this one? Is there anything I can do? Is there anything I can do? Hey, is there anything I can do? And then before you know it, you have like a laundry list of all the things they want you to do. Um, um, here's one. My, and my wife, this, this, one's, this one actually, my wife. And, and, and um, several of you guys will get this. But my husband is a doctor. He's a lawyer, accountant, or a preacher, which means you can call him anytime you want to call him. It doesn't make a difference. Even in the middle of date night, it doesn't make a difference. Or right in the middle of 3, 3 a.m. The best time to call my husband is 3 a.m. It's gotten, it's gotten us in trouble before. Here you go. <laughs> of course you can bring the kids. <laughs> yeah, sure. They bring them up. Just let, that, just let them spend the night. I don't care. How about this one? Why don't you stay for dinner? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. I am hoping not to offend anybody by this one. If worse comes to worse, you can borrow mine. I, I have lost weed eaters, lawnmowers, tools. I have a whole section of tools in my tool. I, can't, I, I don't know where they're at. Yeah, just use mine whenever. So... 
And words are important, and we got to figure out how we can use them. So here's some truth I want us to get, and then I'm going to lay the foundation for the day. It's, it's going to be great. So here's it. Here it is. Some people, here's the truth. Some people, maybe even in this room, some people uh, find it easy to express themselves and have no tr- trouble saying what is on their mind. Anybody know people like that? You may be that person, right? Um, how about the pe- person that go on and 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 on, and they talk for hours, but they say absolutely nothing, right? There's people like that in the world, right? Okay, here's another one. Uh, we all know, and, and this is the truth, this is not going to be funny, we all know that, that, that's, that speaking effectively um, is, is the ability to string words together well, right? That, that's, that's, what's, that's, what, that's what we're talking about today. And if you can't seem to say the right thing, here's another truth, if you can't seem to say the right thing, you're constantly saying the wrong thing, eventually what will happen is we'll, it will destroy your relationships. Eventually people will not want to be around you. And so that's why it's important that we talk about these things. And the the book of Proverbs, the whole Bible actually, but the book of Proverbs has so much to say about how we manage our words. It tells us to use our words sparingly. It talks about speaking with caution. And it talks about this concept, and I love this, to think first and talk second. That's to engage the mind before the mouth, right? And a lot of us have a struggle with that. So I got three things I'm going to talk about in the next 20 minutes, and then we'll, we'll pray and you can use your words wisely out in the world, right? Here's the very first thing I think we ought. When there's the opportunity to say something, maybe we should consider saying nothing at all. Maybe saying nothing at all is the very best thing we can do. I mean, just, just maybe we can honor God by not saying anything. I love the way Proverbs 10, 19 says it, okay? When words are many, how many people know that person? Words are many. Transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. We talked about this week one. You remember, prudent means you make good decisions. It means you have common sense. It means you know the right thing to do and you do it. That's what wisdom is. You, you know the right thing and you do it. And so with our words, that's how it has to be. And, and here's what I've learned. A lot of people struggle with this not saying anything. They almost want to be, they want to be the center of conversation a lot of times. I was with a group of people. They're good people. I, I mean, I still, I still hang out with them. But we're sitting around a table one day having lunch. And, and, and one of the guys that, that was in this group uh, is a, a worship, they're all worship leaders except for me. I'm, I'm a senior pastor. And, but they were talking about this other, this minister, this worship guy in, in, in the worship world that we live in. And he's one of my favorites and still is one of my favorites. But we're in this conversation. I'm like, man, that last song he wrote was so amazing. I'm like, and, and the guy goes, did, did, did you know he was an alcoholic? I'm like, what? He said, yeah, my, my, my brother goes to his church and he's in AA together. He's actually struggled with it since he was a teenager. And I thought to myself, isn't there a reason that Anonymous is in the names of many of those? Like we, Alcoholic Anonymous or, you know, Narcotics Anonymous, whatever it is, even our CR. It's not in our CR name, but it's, people go up there, they want anonymity. Like they, they don't want, and we have lawyers and we have doctors and we have all kinds of different people that, that come up there and, and, and they, they, deserve, they deserve the right. So that was the first thing to kind of really just, I'll be honest with you, you made me mad. Because here they're talking about this guy, like, I, 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 you know, they, but here's the deal. Even if it was true, even if it was true, which I don't know if it was or wasn't, sharing a little bit of insider information, it didn't build up the group. It didn't, it didn't add anything to the conversation. Actually, it, everybody felt like socially awkward, like I didn't know what to do with my hands now that you said this. And I thought about the scripture in Ephesians chapter 4, and this has been a passage that as I've struggled my own battle with my, my, my mouth, that I've used this passage to myself. And I used to think this was talking about just cussing. Like, like, like I, I know this service. First service I know is the, the wild one, right? 
you guys are like, you would never say a wordy dirt. Like there's never a time in your life that you've said a word that was all, you know, like there's never been. So like, so this pastor probably doesn't even impact you. So I, I, but I don't read it anyway, because I, I need to hear it again. Ephesians chapter 4:29. let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth. That's not just cussing. That, that's not just, that, that's, that's, we're not saying things about people. We're not talking behind people's back. We're not saying bad things to ourselves. We're not telling off-color jokes. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up. Think about that. Is your conversation building people up or tearing them down? As fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. So no, let, no, let no corrupt thing, let, let nothing corrupt come out of your mouth. And it's tough. That's a tough, that's a tough place to be. Amen. Like it's, it's tough to make sure the, the words are coming out. And here's what I've learned. Here's, here's, here's kind of a litmus test for me. Um, whether just because you know something about someone doesn't mean you have to say it. Just because you know a little insider trader information, you don't have to say it. And just because you know it, and even if it's true, you still don't have the right to say it. You shouldn't be repeating those things. Proverbs 17, 20, book of wisdom. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Meaning, I know how to keep my words in. I know how to put the filter between my mind and my mouth. And there's lots of times that I'm not going to say because it's not profitable to say anything. Here's one. Let me give you another one in this one. You don't have to say everything you think. I remember there was... I hate even using this. I was playing golf with a guy, and and um, he he hit a, a a bunker shot, and he threw his club. And when he threw his club, it bounced in the bunker. Bunkers of sand, a bunch of sand, and it was a lake behind him. And it flipped over his shoulder and went into the water. And he just dropped an f bomb. And I was like, "Whoa!" Like church person here. <laughs> like I didn't need to hear that. He's church person too. Like, <laughs> and he goes, "This is what he says." He goes. Jesus knew my heart. I had to say, I just had to say it. I'm like, no, just because you think it doesn't mean you need to say it. Just because you think it doesn't mean you need to say it. I love what the way uh, Napoleon Hill said. Think twice before you speak because your words and influence will plant the seed of either success or failure in the mind of another. Uh, how many people in the room, I, I don't want to ask your age, but how many people in the room uh, remember or ever watched a TV show called Cheers? Anybody? So raise your hands real high. A couple young people, that's good. Make me feel better. Because first service, it was everybody over 55. Nobody else. I was like, oh, Lord. So there was a guy named, there was all kinds. There was Norm and all that. But this guy named Cliff Clavin. And Cliff was the guy that would come in the bar. Hey, Cliff. And, and they would be talking about something. And right away in the conversation, he knew more. What, what, I don't care what the topic was. He knew more about it than anybody else in the room. So he would add his two cents into everything and everybody's, well, he got to be on the show. He was the, the you know, the brought a lot of jokes. Like they would like, oh, here's Cliff again. Well, you know what happened in circles of people that I knew that were watching it? They would say, you're just like Cliff Clayton. Like, you're just like, like, like you're, 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 but we call it topper. You're a topper. Anybody know a topper? They always have a better story. Oh man. I was talking to a guy about, I, I like to deer hunt. If that offends you guys, I'm sorry. But I like to deer hunt and I like to, I like big deer. Like, 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 you know, so I like, like I'm a trophy deer hunter. And I was telling this guy about the, I have the second, this is the truth. I have the second largest buck ever killed in Burke County. Um, and I killed it back in like 15 or 16. And I was telling the guy about, it, he goes, what, what it score? And I said, it scored 153 and three eights. And that's a big deer. And, and then, he, you know, he says, he goes, yeah, I killed one 190. 
Where'd you, where'd you kill it? Hmm. Columbia County. You did not, you liar. <laughs> you, you're the biggest liar. And I, I, I was sitting this, honestly, got the truth. Friday, I, I was playing golf with, with some friends and I, I shot the worst, best round I've ever shot. I shot a 41 on the front and a 33 on the back. So like I was on fire. I was smoking hot. So 74, it's not my best round ever, but it's a pretty good round. So I'm playing, right? I walk in here because we have, and a guy I haven't seen him in a while, he walks up, hey, man, man, man. were you playing golf today? Yeah, he goes, I said, yeah, what'd you shoot? I said, 74, he goes, yeah, I shot 72 today. I said, you have never shot a 72 in your life. Like, is that on the front nine? That's why I said, is that on your front nine? Don't, don't be that guy. Listen to what Proverbs 17, 28 says. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. Amen. Amen. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Here, I wrote this down. Silence looks like knowledge in our lives. Sometimes we just need to keep our mouth shut. Think first, speak second. Here's the last thing in this part, and then we're going to go on the next one. You don't have to repeat everything you hear. Gossip. That's a biggie, right? And you know what we call it in a church world? We call it two things. Prayer time and fellowship. I used to be part of a fellowship group. It was all pastors, fellowship. And I'll let you know this. Pastors are the worst. I am a recovering gossiper. Now, I would never gossip about you because I like you. But I will gossip about other church people in other churches. And I will gossip about their pastors. No more. I'm, I've been really good. I went to CR for it. That's... They helped. They helped a lot. But there's this group of pastors, and, and, and I walked away from an hour and a half lunch. Some of you are going, I'm never coming back to this church again. Shut up. There's a lot of us. We're in a circle, and we're talking. And for an hour and a half, all we talked about is other churches. It, of course, they weren't there. The pastors weren't there. We, we were just talking about all the other churches. Now, did you hear about, you know, so-and-so, brother, whatever over there? Like, you know, now he's got this. And, you know, and I'm like, what? And you know what I learned about this? And this, this is the truth. We never gossip about people's, their, their, their secret virtues. We only gossip about their bad stuff. I have never heard anybody gossip. Go, Man, that Pastor Bobby, I'm telling you, his prayer life is amazing. <laughs> or... You can insert whatever you want to insert right there, right? We, we never, you're never like on Facebook. I almost put a Facebook post on yesterday, but I knew I was speaking this. So I was going to wait till later. I want, I want some of us to build somebody up without tearing somebody down. Think about that for a second. Because sometimes the only way we can compliment each other is by tearing something down. We use somebody else as the comparison. So I left that meeting after an hour and a half of people just talking about it, and I realized this. I don't want to be a part of that group anymore. As a matter of fact, I've determined what I'm going to do is I'm going to make it my life mission to build people up, to say nice things about them. One of the coolest things that happens in the church world, I'm sure it happens elsewhere. Alan and myself talk about this all the time. There is nothing better than when somebody else brags to us about somebody else on our staff. It, and then you go tell them, so-and-so was bragging about you. So-and-so was telling, saying you were a rock star. So-and-so, you were amazing in that moment. So-and-so, you were so pastoral in that moment. That builds people up. 
So this is what I determined. I would love to do this as a, as a project. Maybe we'll go um, social media. You'll see something about this tomorrow. Uh, Proverbs 16, 28 says, a dishonest man spreads strife and a whisper separates close friends. So we want to stop doing it. Here's what we want to do. To everybody, everybody we come in contact with, we want to say something positive too. Let's try that. Everybody we come in contact, we want to say something positive. Even if your wife has burnt the food, that was the best burnt food I've ever had in my life. Say something positive too. Here's the second part of that. I want us to say something positive about people. I want to start a trend in the world we live in that we're going to talk about people in a good way. And when they say, hey, did you hear what Bobby said about you? No, what would we say? And at the end of it, there's tears coming out of their eyes because we were speaking and speaking right to their hearts. What would happen to the world that we live in? Hey, what would happen if we actually did that mm, on Facebook? This is what Colossians says. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Thinking. Thinking before we speak. Let's be like this. Proverbs 17, 9. Whoever covers up an, uh, uh, an offense seeks love, but he who repeats the matter separates close friends. There's another one. All right, so that's the first one. Here's the second one. Consider whether or not you have all the facts before you open your mouth. Amen. <laughs> I don't know who it came from, but you're right on, uh, it's Jane. Here, here's the problem. The internet, Google, Facebook, Instagram, Wikipedia, all the social whatevers, they have made everybody in this room experts at whatever that topic is. But we never fact check anything. I had a conversation this morning. Somebody posted something, and listen, this week for some people was the greatest week in the whole world. And for others, it was the most awful week in the whole world. And we're not going to use this place as a political platform. It's not what it's designed for. But I have watched husband against wife and sister against brother. And I've watched, it's, it's, it's tearing people, it's tearing families apart right now. But I I had a conversation. This is the only time I replied and I, I did it privately because that's the way we're supposed to do it, right? We're not supposed to blast people publicly. And I just said, hey, did you think about fact checking some of the things you wrote in your little and they were like, well, well no, I, I just, I, I copied and pasted from somebody else. And there's your problem. And so this morning, she took it down. And she said, Pastor Bobby, I'm sorry. Like, I, I thought I had all, just have all the facts. During, during COVID, I watched a movie. I'm not a big movie watcher. As a matter of fact, I just watched two weeks ago, the first Top Gun. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Where have you been all my life? It was so good the next night I had to go see the new one. And I want to go see it again and again and again. And I want a mustache now. Just saying. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, you have to see it. So, but, but do you all remember in 1996 in Atlanta, there was an Olympic bombing? Anybody remember that? So there was a guy by the name of Richard Joel. And that was the one that they said that they thought had, had, had planted the bomb. Every news source had already convicted him of the crime. The FBI literally put him into isolation because they were, without a shadow of a doubt, without a shadow of a doubt, they knew he was the guy. Tom Brokaw, some of you all know who he is. He's a, a newscaster. He literally said there's so much evidence that they don't even need to do a trial. Atlanta, Atlanta Constitution came out and said 
that he is just a washed up, washed up um, police officer from Atlanta. Now, if you know the rest of the story, and not just from the movie, just the rest of the story, he was the hero. He was the guy who was going in there and taking people out. Because of proximity, they thought he was the guy, but he in fact wasn't the guy. Ruined his reputation, but this is what happened. He, 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 he didn't sue, but somebody on his behalf sued all these news. And millions upon millions upon millions upon millions, it cost, those, it cost reputation of everybody because they didn't have the facts. Do you know we can destroy people in the world that we live in if we don't have the facts? You don't know every situation that people are going through. You don't know why that divorce happened. You don't know why, how that addiction started. You don't know the amount of abuse that person took. You don't know any of that stuff. So don't make, an, don't make an accusation unless you know the truth in the situation. That event taught me two key things. Just because they say it on TV or the internet doesn't mean it's true. And you can do a lot of damage to somebody before you know all the facts. That, that's what scripture says in Proverbs 18. It says, if one gives an answer before he hears... It is his folly and shame. And I've seen that scenario happen way too. I've seen it happen in the business world where bosses blame an employee for something and it turns out not their fault. I've seen, I've seen owners of businesses blame, blame a supply company for something, for stealing something, and they find out it was somebody else. It destroys their reputation. Proverbs says it like this, by the mouth of, fool, by the mouth of a fool comes a, road for his, a rod for his back, but, it, but, but the lips of the wise will preserve them. Think first, write this down, think first and speak second. Proverbs 17, 27, whoever restrains his words has knowledge and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Man, that's wisdom right there. And let me give you the third thing. We're gonna close right here. Consider the best way to say what needs to be said. Because you wanna know something? There's times where we need to have critical conversations. We say in our office all the time, critical conversations without relational breakdowns, they happen. We take them behind closed doors. We don't do them publicly. We're a fan publicly. But we, we get behind the, the, the door sometimes, and we have some, con and it's going to happen. You may have to have one with your spouse at some point. You may have to have one with your kid. You may have to have one with an employee or your boss, whatever it is. Do it right. Just do that conversation right. Proverbs 15, 23. To make an apt answer is a joy to a man, and a word in a season, how good it is. A word in a season. The right word at the right time. You know what that means right there? That you are thinking through your words before you ever have a conversation. One of the things that we have done over the years, the last couple of years, Alan and myself, is we make sure that when we know that there's going to be a critical conversation, we rehearse what we're going to say. Not so we're so stoic, but we just don't want to say the wrong thing. We don't want to, like, how did that phrase sound? Did that phrase sound... So one of the things we have to do, I'm not saying this situ what the situation is, but we always go back and literally have walked people out to our hallway and say, what does that say on the first, first thing? It says, we, we, we surrender to God's word. We believe that God's word answers all the questions in, in the world. So we don't get in big conversations or big arguments with people. We just say, what does God's word say? And so it's one of those, think before you talk. It's going to happen. You're going to have conversations. You're going to have those moments. It takes effort and a lot of thoughts. Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So if you need to have a conversation with somebody, say it right. Actually, I would, I would encourage you to pray about it. Ask God, how can I say things in such a way that they understand that I am for them, not against them? Because we sometimes mangle our words up and we don't say what we mean. Uh, there, there, was, there was a young kid, a teenager, and his girlfriend. They were riding on a country road. 
And they're riding up the country road, and he, they lived on a farm. He lived on a farm, so he's sitting, and they're sitting in the pickup truck, and they're getting ready to watch the, the sun go down, and he's wanting to have a little romantic night, and he puts his arm around her. But there's two cows in front of him, and these two cows are licking the, the, each other's face, and they're, they're snuggling and nuzzling on each other and all that stuff. And out of nowhere, he just says, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What's mm-hmm for? He goes, I, I, I would like some of that right there. And she goes, they're your cows. You can do whatever you want to do. <laughs> now, what he meant to say is, I would like to do this with you, but he, me- he messes words up, right? We do it all the time. So instead of just blurting things out, let's think about them. Let's think about exactly what we're saying. Think first, speak second. Let me give you three more passages of scripture and I'm going to wrap it up. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Proverbs 13.3, whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. And one that we've already kind of talked through, but I want to make sure that we get this, this one in again. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. I, I think words are important because they tell who you are. They tell who I am. They tell who we serve. They tell what we believe in. Now, a lot of us have heard the old phrase before, and you've had it happen to you. I've had it happen multiple times where somebody just blasted you out of nowhere. They just blasted you. And then they come back. I didn't really mean that. I don't know why I said that. Well, there's a passage that says, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so many times we say what we say because of what's going on in here. And what would happen if we changed what was going on in here? Garbage in, garbage out. If we're constantly listening to the word, world's junk and we're argumentative, and we're, it's going to come out this way. So a passage of scripture that's been near and dear to my heart for years because I, I am in recovery for this is Psalms 19.14. It says, let the words... Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You know, that's important. Let the words of my mouth, the same ones I praise people with, the same ones I sang to Jesus with, let them be the same things I say to my enemy, the people around me. But that second part of it says it all, the meditations of my heart. And I'm going to encourage us today. Do a couple challenges. Say to somebody positive stuff. Say about somebody some positive stuff. Say some positive stuff about yourself. Write down, write down like, listen, man, I'm, I'm thankful that God's brought me from point A to point B. But you know something else? He's not done with me yet. Somebody should say amen to that. He's not done with you yet. But I would also encourage all of us to go, okay, God, I struggle with this. What's going on on the inside? And just do introspection. I mean, you don't have to talk to your, you don't have to talk to, you don't to talk to anybody. Just you and him have a conversation today. Maybe it's in the car when you're going home. Maybe it's later on tonight when the kids go to bed. Just, God, I, I, I want to honor you with the things that are not coming out of my mouth. Well, we talk about it all the time. We want to make Jesus famous. The problem is a lot of church people are making it infamous. <laughs> but people don't want to be, listen, 
I don't even think anymore it's Jesus they're not liking. I think it's the church. I think by and large, there's a lot of people that believe that Jesus is who in fact he said he is. I just don't think that we've emulated it real well. So maybe that's the first one. I just want to pray. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, in this moment, God, I ask first of all that you forgive me of my, my sins. I have so many of them. And thank you for forgiving me immediately. It doesn't take years or months. God, in, in our lives, I just want to use my words carefully. I'm going to use my words to my wife carefully, my kids carefully, my dog carefully, my staff carefully, the people that come to this church. I want to be careful with my words because here's the deal. It shows who I am. It shows what I believe. It, sh- it shows who I serve. So God, be with every one of us. We choose wisely the words that we use in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or want to talk to someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.